So I occasionally follow the online musings of a once celebrated evangelical Christian blogger by the name of Jen Hatmaker. Maybe you've heard of her. She came by her fame, honestly. She hosted a rather charming blog about the foibles of Christian parenting in the 21st century. And then she went on to become a best-selling author and sought-after speaker on the Evangelical Women's Conference circuit. And then, then she came out in support for the full inclusion of LGBTQ Christians in the church. Happy Pride Month, y'all. From the public response, you might have thought that Jen Hatmaker had crucified Jesus anew. Christian publishing houses refused to publish or promote her books. Agents stopped representing her speaking engagements. And she was pilloried on social media. While Jen Hatmaker was saying all the right things, she was a sought-after and well-compensated commodity, a slave girl, you might say, to a certain sector of the Christian industrial complex. But when she could no longer submit to the spirit that caused her to write supposedly family-friendly blogs within a church culture, that condemned LGBTQ children of God, her economic value disappeared. Does that sound at all familiar to you? The 16th chapter of the book of Acts, which we've been hearing from these last two Sundays, uncharacteristically features the women of two very public Philippian women. Recall that last week we were introduced to Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth, and as Canon Matthew mentioned in his sermon, that meant she served the imperial class. She was wealthy, independent, and to the degree possible for women of her time and place, free. In contrast, the nameless young woman that we heard about today was anything but free. She was not only a slave, she was also possessed by a spirit. She had the gift of divination, that is to say, she was something of a successful fortune teller, but the gift wasn't really hers. She was held hostage by the speech of the Spirit, and even when she was saying things were true, things that were true, like, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. That's what she cried out day after day until Paul finally ordered the divining spirit to leave her. Now notice it wasn't the slave girl herself that Paul was annoyed by, but rather the spirit that possessed her, the casting out of which caused an economic loss to her owners and likely damaged her own reputation. But she wasn't the only woman of public standing who was put at risk by the ministry of Paul and Silas. We don't know what ultimately happened to the slave girl absent her valuable spirit any more than we know what happened to Lydia, the purple cloth dealer, after her conversion. But I'm willing to bet that joining the cult of a subversive rabbi wasn't the best business decision for a haberdasher to the empire. Freedom is free, 
But sometimes it comes at a real cost. The Apostle Paul, who landed in jail as a result of his exorcism of the slave girl, had a thing or two to say about freedom. For freedom Christ set us free, he wrote in his letter to the churches in Galatia. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, in this case, he was talking about the temptation to make an idol of adherence to the law. That was a frequent theme for Paul. But he was also speaking out of the ancient biblical understanding of God as the liberator. Freedom is the exodus of the people enslaved to Pharaoh. Freedom is having a homeland in which to be an ethical community and a temple in which to worship God. And sometimes, even more courageously, freedom is following a leader who was imprisoned and crucified for the sake of love. What holds us hostage? What is our prison, so to speak? Now, if you're here with us this morning, I'm willing to bet that you're not currently incarcerated, but perhaps you have been. I was, briefly, for protesting the movement in nuclear weapons through my community many years ago. But I'll confess that my current captivity is of the more mundane variety. I want to protect my status. I want to avoid sadness and shame. I'm also conscious of those potentially enslaving temptations, and I pray about them and test their boundaries daily. Do they keep me from doing what I'm supposed to do, from loving and affirming whoever, whomever I am called to pastor? Unjust incarceration and slavery are abhorrent. But I suspect that the greater risk for most of us is the spiritual cost of unexamined captivity. People living in self-imposed bondage tend to feel threatened by the freedom of others and indeed may well threaten the freedom of others. Witness our complex relationship with symbols like the Statue of Liberty and the border wall. We are not called to live as prisoners or slaves, the Bible assures us, but when we find ourselves tempted to use our freedom to imprison others, we have become our own jailers. I do wish I knew what happened to Lydia or the slave girl of Philippi, what they did with their hard-won freedom. But it happens that I do know what happened to Jen Hatmaker. Her freedom of speech came, as a, came at a cost, but having paid that price, she had nothing more to lose. So now she's on a mission to share that gift with others. Last week she wrote, I learned something incredible as a grown-up adult. The denominations and churches that elevate men and diminish women, that harm or exile LGBTQ Christians, that protect abusers and shame their victims into private forgiveness, that create panels of all-white men to tell the rest of us how unbiblical social justice is, that peddle shame and sorrow and guilt, we get to leave. She continued, there are endless faith communities that operate out of equality 
and honor and grace. There is no actual door to the prison. Just walk on out. They will still be fighting the same fights inside that cell when you are dead. So you might as well choose freedom and joy and life and light on your faith journey. Don't be your own jailer. Walk outside and come and see how the rest of us love Jesus and one another. You will be so welcome, Jen continued. Jesus is worth his salt. He set us free for freedom's sake. You can choose bondage or keep trying to talk them into equality or keep fighting for a seat at the kids' table. Or you can just walk outside in the fresh air. Come on out, she concluded. Now, I'm not saying that walking away from church is the way to get free. I'm really, really, really not saying that. <laughs> I expect to see you at coffee hour and next week. But if a religious or political or any other persuasive message threatens to enslave you or others, you might need to walk out. Sometimes freedom means walking away from the oppressive speech the nasty Twitter feed, the big house, the next more demanding job, the expectations of family and friends, the substances we abuse, the resentments we nurture, or even the self-critical spirit that possesses us. If you don't know what holds you captive, I hope you do yourself the favor of finding out. Notice where you feel shame, resentment, and especially where you feel anger at the freedom of another. You can't exercise an enslaving spirit or break out of a prison if you don't recognize what it is. Now, naturally, I hope that some of those walking out of a restricted faith tradition walk into ours. It's gratifying to be part of a faith community that practices radical welcome. But to recall that foundational Exodus story, freedom is actually a journey, not a destination we've arrived at or may ever fully arrive at, not at Trinity or anywhere else. It takes intention, patience, courage, and a good measure of grace to set us to get free and then to stay free. This is a week when I found myself thinking a lot about the community of free and faithful women. Yesterday, two women were elected to the Episcopate in the Diocese of Michigan and El Camino Real. Can I get an amen? amen. And on Friday, our church calendar remembered the pregnant Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. So even though we're not privy to this part of their stories, I like to imagine Lydia and the slave girl meeting each other at some house church in Philippi. I like to imagine them savoring the words of Jesus, rejoicing that the glory that God had given him, he had given to them at well, and I like to imagine that all of us, their spiritual offspring, are leaping for joy at their courage. Amen.